This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwanns.com backslash yum for details. And you're back on Right Now with Jim Dawes. Your daily journal of news, politics, and culture from an America First perspective on the Mojo 5 Radio Network. While much has been said in recent years about the damage our disastrous trade relationship with China has done to the U.S. economy and middle-class jobs, the real threat that that communist dictatorship poses to America goes even deeper. Our next guest reveals the shocking depth to which China has infiltrated America's institutions and compromised our national security. Retired Air Force General, Brigadier General Robert S. Spaulding is a senior fellow at the Hudson Institute, focusing on U.S.-China relations and economic and national security issues. He's also a former director for the Strategic Planning at the National Security Council and a former B-2 stealth pilot. General Spaulding is author of the upcoming book, Stealth War, How China Took Over While America's Elites Slept. You can pre-order the book now on Amazon for an October 1st delivery. General Spaulding, thank you for joining us on right now. Great to be here. Thank you. Well, I guess I'd start by uh, just asking you to give us a broad overview of the economic and military threat that uh, communist China poses to America and the other Western democracies. Well, I think you gave a good uh, overview in your uh, in your presentation uh, or your uh, uh, preview of my uh, book. The um, you know since uh, China entered the WTO, uh, the United States has lost over seventy thousand factories. Uh, 3.4 million manufacturing jobs and probably four jobs uh, in support of each of those. So over 13 million jobs have been lost since China entered the WTO in America with the associated um, health benefits and retirement benefits that those jobs carried with them. And not only that, the industrial base that those factories represented means that today we have you know, Chinese companies manufacturing circuit boards for F-35. So when you say the words defense industrial base in the United States, it no longer means anything. But more than that, their ability to force U.S. corporations to censor their employees. Uh, I talk about in the book the case of Roy Jones, a mid-level employee for Marriott Corporation that was fired um, because the Chinese Communist Party essentially called Marriott and said, uh, Roy Jones would like to tweet about Tibet. We don't like it, and we want you to fire him and apologize, and Marriott did. Uh, and you, if, if you've been following what's been going on in Hong Kong, they've done the same thing with Cathay Airlines, the CEO, and ended up quitting rather than exposing employees to censure or firing. Of course, uh, subsequently, those employees were fired. So their ability to not only coerce American corporations, but um, the, the politicians, uh, Wall Street, academia, think tanks, law firms. You know, when I was in the White House, I couldn't get a law firm or a think tank to help me 
uh, expose or come up with policy options for what China was doing because they were all worried about angering their Chinese funders or customers. So it's a big problem in democracies. It's not just the United States. It's happening all over the world. So it's not just economic and trade. It's the entire um, democratic society that we we have come to uh, know and love. Well, you know, unlike the old uh, communist Soviet Union during the Cold War, I'm a, a product of the Cold War myself, uh, and the way we treated the Soviet Union, we have um, treated China as sort of a strategic trading partner and turned that dictatorship into an economic and military superpower, which is now challenging us on so many fronts. Why, in, in your opinion, did our foreign policy elites allow this? Why, what was the blind spot that uh, they they had with China that they saw so clearly with the old Soviet Union. Yeah, if you remember the uh, the book "The World Is Flat" by Milton Friedman or Thomas Friedman, there was this belief that open markets lead to wealth, and then over time, wealth will lead to democracy. Uh, of course, um, that hasn't happened because the Chinese Communist Party figured this out, and uh, after the uh, they squashed the uh, Tiananmen uprising essentially massacring uh, the students in the square, they basically redesigned their society to take advantage of all the benefits of globalization and the Internet, really the open, open free world that was created after the end of World War II uh, because we gave them access to it. And they, they began to not only erode the economies, the, the, the financial systems, the trading arrangements uh, of the, around the globe of democracies, they began to you know, essentially push out their values and principles into the open system. And so today what you have is a decline of democracies uh, worldwide because a lot of these emerging market countries are looking at China and saying they've developed a better model. Well, they haven't developed a better model. What they've done is they've hacked our model because we gave them the, the access to do so. So uh, these uh, emerging uh, tyrants worldwide are seeing that they can have the benefits of the uh, of the globalist system, while at the same time having an oppressive regime at home, is that is that what you're saying? That, that's basically it. And, uh, and if you look at what China's doing, not now they've gone forward with using our technology. So the technology developed by companies like Facebook, Amazon, and uh, Google to uh, automate suppression of their society. What they want to do with this uh, with Huawei is essentially build out global networks. And then with Baidu, Alibaba, and Tencent, essentially their versions of uh, Facebook, Amazon, and Google, roll out this e-commerce model around the world that allows them to really have much more control and influence in democracies worldwide. Well, and uh, Google and Facebook have also helped China develop this social score system, which is allowing them to automate their uh, repressive you know, controls over their population, and now they're rolling it out uh, against American corporations, and I don't doubt that it's a matter of time before they uh, roll it out against American citizens. Well, that's exactly right. You know, Facebook, Amazon, and Google really want access to the 1.4 billion Chinese. They want to sell them things. And, of course, uh, you know, over the years of since they joined the WTO, they haven't actually allowed uh, American corporations to really do well there. In fact, they Uber, who, who had a, a big operation there, was essentially kicked out of the country because, uh, you know, the, the, the Chinese Communist Party favors Chinese companies in that, in that country. It's not an open system. It's not a market-based system. It doesn't allow for fair competition. And, 
quite frankly, that's what the that's why the tariffs are in place now. I can't help but notice that uh, China and Russia are holding joint military drills. This is a sort of a chilling development. Um, it seems that uh, our foreign policy elites blew the opportunity to capitalize on our uh, uh, the benefits of winning the Cold War and bring Russia into the Western democracies, and now we've pushed them over into the arms of China. Um, do, you, do you see that uh, as a geostrategic threat? Well, it's not just Russia. It's also North Korea and Iran. If you look at the three major military challenges that the United States have, uh, you know, China is the biggest economic partner of all three of those. Now, one of the things that, uh, if you remember, go, going back to the Cold War, it wasn't a war that we won by fighting. It was an economic war that we won because the uh, Soviet Union bankrupted itself. What China has done is maneuver the United States into the same position we had maneuvered the Soviet Union. And what they're doing is cranking up the, the problems in the Middle East. They're cranking up the problems in Europe. And they're cr- cranking up the problems in Asia to get us to spend more money on weapons so that we can bankrupt ourselves the same as the Soviets did. So that's one of the things that I was working on when I was in the Pentagon. I realized that we were in a tremendously bad position, much like we had put the Soviets in. Well, you know, we have an enduring faith in free enterprise and the capitalist system, uh, but it seems like um, if you take an oppressive regime like they have in uh, communist China and you uh, create a hybrid capitalist system that takes advantage of uh, economic forces and at the same time becomes an oppressive regime, you've really got a recipe for a, a dystopian future that, um, that we just never have contemplated before. Um, you know, in the in the Western nations, uh, I guess I would ask you uh, to to just go into how China is co-opting uh, American uh, financial companies uh, to make investments in their economy and transfer American technology to uh, to Chinese companies. Yeah, that's a really good question. It's really related because. What we do um, through the SEC and the PCAOB, which is a, was a oversight for auditors, we essentially allow Chinese companies to tap into Western capital markets. That means uh, our retirement funds, despite not actually having to have the same kind of audit or transparency requirements as U.S. corporations. So they go in, they do an IPO, or they sell a bond, and our uh, retirement fund will invest in that bond. Then they'll turn around, and because that money should have been put into an investment in the United States, you'll find many times those companies, particularly tech companies, are having trouble raising money. And so the Chinese will come in, use our money to buy the technology and take it back to China. So it's an ultimate of, of really just no understanding how global advantage of us because you know u.s corporations are incentivized and wall street is incentivized to make money and so for those investments wall street essentially the investment bankers make a fee on the investment that the retirement funds do in chinese equity so they don't really care as long as they get their fee and then of course the inventors of technology they they're at wit's end because they can't get any american investment so here comes a chinese uh, white knight with american money to buy them out of course the investors are never going to see that money back and, and china gets back uh, the chinese communist party gets the technology i was blown away a few months ago when i saw that the largest retirement fund in the country which is calpers uh, the california uh, state employees retirement fund was being uh 
turned over to the um, to the stewardship of a Chinese national. That that uh, seems like uh, something that uh, you know, knowing what we know about the Chinese economy and the Chinese dictatorship, uh, just struck me as pure lunacy. Well, yeah, he and he was running uh, the, in in China the state administration for foreign exchange. So basically. Uh, where their foreign reserve program is run. He was running that for the Chinese Communist Party, and then he gets hired by CalPERS to run the retirement system. You know, you, you would never see anything like that during the Cold War, where we would <laughs> allow, allow the Soviets to come and run our retirement system. It's just ludicrous. It's breathtaking, and, and it's uh, it, 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 you just can't even wrap your mind around the idea that uh, America would be so foolish as to allow something like that to happen. I guess I'd like to bring the com- the conversation around to uh, a, a particular current event. Um, you know, Joe Biden, when he was vice president, he took his son Hunter uh, on Air Force Two over to China. Uh, Biden was there to negotiate a, a nuclear pact. Uh, Suppose, uh, uh, hopefully in America's interest, and his son was on board to make a billion-and-a-half-dollar deal with the Bank of China. Um, do you think that China uh, now has undue leverage over Joe Biden? And uh, and well, just what are your thoughts on that, that particular episode in general? Well, you know, after, you know, I've been after this for about five or six years and, and quite frankly, um, living most of that time in D.C. and just witnessing what, what's going on. You know, it's not just Biden. It's just about everybody uh, that, that really has a, a position to make a significant contribution to U.S. foreign policy or national security or really anything that would benefit the Chinese Communist Party. They have access to all of them because they're really smart about creating these relationships. And it doesn't necessarily have to be the person uh, in question. It can be a family member. It can be a spouse. It can be a, a child or even, you know, some other uh, relative. Well, that's, that's, actually, the way the, that's actually the way the, uh, the billionaire class does business in China is through these princelings. Uh, and, and the government officials, uh, you know, they take payoffs not directly to themselves but to their sons and daughters and they seem to have established that uh that that principle here in the united states as well with uh hunter biden and uh john Kerry's stepson chris hines well yeah and and really it's it's across the aisle so it's both on the right and the left you know anybody again that has uh significant um power political power financial power in the united states they've found a way to sidle up to it's just the way it is. Now, there's a few people that are holdouts that are patriots uh, that have made their money and haven't really made it in China. But for the most part, if you were getting rich in America over the last 20 years, you were probably had something to do with China because we've allowed them essentially to, to hack the incentive system and really the global incentive system for corporate America so that, you know, if you're in finance or you're in, in corporate activity, you're somehow uh, making money off China, and, and they're doing that for a specific purpose. It's a national strategic purpose, not you know a market-based kind of uh, decision-making process that we would that we we would adhere to here in the West. So you have the vice president's son Hunter uh, taking a billion and a half dollars for a upstart um, a wealth fund um, in partnership with the uh, the son stepson of the former Secretary of State. And then as uh, our, our election season starts off, we hear Joe Biden saying something like this. 
I've known, I've met virtually every major world leader in my role as vice president and as foreign relations chairman over the last 30 years. And that's not hyperbole. Virtually every one. I don't know a single solitary one who would not change places with the problems the president of the United States has versus the problems they have. China is going to eat our lunch. Come on, man. They can't even figure out how to deal with the, 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 the fact that they have this great division between the China Sea and the mountains in the east, I mean, in the west. They can't figure out how they're going to deal with the corruption that exists within the system. I mean, I, you know, they're not bad folks, folks, but guess what? They're not a they're, they're not, they're competition for us. Now, that's either a man with a, a giant blind spot or a man who's being per- purposely dishonest because China is, in fact, already eating our lunch and has been for going on 20 years now. Well, and I would take it. I would take very much exception to the fact where he says the Chinese Communist Party aren't bad folks. I mean, they're hooking up uh, dissidents to ECMO machines to keep them alive so there are organs can be harvested so people can go over and get you know a heart transplant on a regular scheduled basis who i mean you can't even imagine the horror that you it's just unimaginable to have that kind of behavior going on in the world today yet that's what that's what they are and there's literally no um pushback by you know the mainstream media or anybody else that this kind of behavior is going on they're expanding their operations in the South China Sea. They're challenging us on the navigation lanes. They're they're expanding uh, everywhere um, you know that uh, that they can. And yet we've got a the leading uh, contender for the Democrat nomination saying they're not bad folks, folks. Uh, General, we need to run out to a break. I hope you'll stick with us. I want to talk to you a little bit about uh, the uh, the developments in the Persian Gulf. Absolutely. Stand by. Mojo. Does your current bathroom need to be updated immediately? Introducing One Day Bath and Shower Remodeling, the complete and hassle-free way to get the new bathroom of your dreams in as little as one day and for as little as $1.99 a month. Yes, the experts at One Day Bath and Shower Remodeling will come to you anywhere in the country and show you all the customized options. Now you can have a brand new bathroom in as little as one day. Large or small bathroom. If you want a new bathtub or shower installed, we can do it in as little as one day. And if you call right now, you can save $750 off your remodel. We make it easy by offering you financing as low as $199 per month. Call now to schedule your free in-home consultation. 800-693-3152. 800-693-3152. That's 800-693-3152. We're talking to retired Air Force Brigadier General Robert S. Spaulding about his upcoming book, Stealth War, How China Took Over While America's Elite Slept. You can pre-order it on Amazon for arrival on October 1st. General, uh, I want to talk a little bit about what's going on over in the Persian Gulf. It seems like um, we've become so frozen by these uh, these endless military adventures in the Middle East that we're afraid to push back on Iran. And uh, I'm afraid that Iran may have our numbers since we didn't retaliate for their uh, 
for their um, attacks on us uh, in the in the um, in the Straits of Hormuz. Um, and I know, or I've read at least, that uh, that China is uh, is backing the Iranian regime. Uh, how do you see this this whole conflict playing out? Well, they absolutely are. You know, the Iranians have said if, uh, if they can't sell oil, nobody will sell oil in the Persian Gulf. And, and clearly they have the capacity to go out and create these attacks. They're being supported absolutely by the Chinese to the tunes of billions of dollars plus uh, Chinese technology to, to uh, assist and aid them. You know, I think we do need to retaliate. But, I mean, one of the ways that we can retaliate if the president doesn't want to use the military against Iran, we could begin to put sanctions on Chinese banks and Chinese businesses. I think the other thing that we need to do from a strategic perspective is really rely on the energy industry here in the United States. We're pumping almost 20 million barrels a day now. Uh, We can really be a shock absorber for the world. We've spent trillions of dollars in the Middle East because literally all the oil is coming out of there. Now that we're energy independent, we need to invest in uh, refinery capacity here in the United States to include uh, natural gas to liquid like ethanol or, or, or diesel, clean diesel out of natural gas so that we can actually fund our, uh, fund our own energy situation, but also act as a shock absorber for the world. So there's a way to be strategic about this where we both grow American economy and industry and jobs and at the same time, don't have to be worried about what's going on in the Middle East. Let the Chinese worry about that because they don't have energy. Well, you know, when it comes to the Middle East, uh, we, we went into Afghanistan with the purpose of uh, wrecking the Taliban and capturing bin Laden. Uh, and then we decided we were going to stay there despite all history to the contrary and occupy the place and turn it into a Jefferson, Jeffersonian democracy. And then we turned around and did the same thing in Iraq and we're still bogged down in, in both areas now, uh, but that doesn't uh, forego us from, you know, taking out Iran's ability to uh, launch these cruise missiles. And uh, it seems that um, everybody is so afraid now of getting bogged down in another all-out occupation that we're not uh, that we're not exercising our strategic assets, uh, you know, with the U.S. Navy and the Persian Gulf. Yeah, and if you, uh, if you go back to the start uh, of, of the response to 9-11, the first strikes were done by B-2s from uh, Missouri. So they took off from Missouri, flew all the way over, struck their targets, and, and came back home. We have the capability to do that. So if you wanted to go and project the power. Iranian revolu- right, Revolutionary Guard Corps and, and, and make them pay, and they do have a lot of assets like businesses, like factories, uh, that, the, that the Guard Corps uses to support themselves, which they, by the way, use to oppress the Iranian people, we can do that. We don't have to spend $60 billion a year in Afghanistan and then forego that money being put into U.S. infrastructure, industrial base, STEM education, or research and development like we have for the last 30 years. Well, the, the, uh, the, um, the formula that I remember from my Navy days was uh, when somebody attacks you, you remove that asset from the, the board, and then they, can, uh, they have to think twice about whether or not they want to sacrifice uh, you know, more military assets. Um, go ahead. Yeah, I would just say that um, you can you can certainly do that. Uh, of course, you know I saw a lot of that during the Coastal World War, where we were taking out empty uh, army barracks or ammo dumps. And really, as soon as you started going after the assets owned by the henchmen supporting Milosevic, 
you know, they, they wanted to quit. So I think you really, in addition to going after wherever this origin of those attacks were, you should go after the assets of the RGC because they support the regime and really put pressure on them. I would prefer to keep it a little bit more limited than that. But uh, I, I ha- happen to notice uh, in Washington, D.C. and uh, up in New York at the U.N. meeting, we've got the uh, climate alarmists uh, in the street, um, you know, telling us that we have to forego fossil fuels and cripple our economy and uh, transform it into uh, an entirely socialist run system. Uh, and these same climate alarmists, which I would point out their uh, their parallels to, to Marxists, um, have nothing bad to say about China, and yet China is the number one producer of the greenhouse gases that they that they hate so badly. Uh, and they came out with a list, I think it was of five nations that they filed a complaint against, but China, which has grown its, uh, its coal production by over 200% in the last uh, five years or so, wasn't on the list. Yeah, and this is one of the things that absolutely drives me crazy. You know, the trade, the new bilateral trade agreements that we're negotiating are really about forcing our trading partners to actually have the same kind of labor and environmental standards that we have. So why would we force our factories to, to abide by labor and environmental standards so that they could basically disassemble the owners of those factories could disassemble them, move them to China where they basically have, you know, um, no labor protections and they're making, as you said, coal based uh, electricity. So rather than making the world, the environment safer <laughs> by our policy, we're actually polluting the environment and exploiting people. So and I mean, destroying really our own economies that, in the, uh, to, uh, in the process, in the process. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's the, that's the insanity of, uh, of our policy and the way it's been, you know, it's, it just doesn't make any sense. Well, let me ask you, do you think it's insanity or do you think it's by design? Well, you know, I, I, I prefer to believe it's insanity. <laughs> <be more> positive. <laughs> <laughs> we, we like to think of them as crazy. Uh, I want to, I want to, uh, run something by you. I mean, I, I believe that despite the president's efforts to try to reform these trade deals, that the best policy moving forward with China is to just decouple our economy entirely from China, it, it encourage our Western allies to do the same. And, um, and it's based off of uh, somebody whose uh, opinion I respect on this topic. This is uh, Gordon uh, Chang uh, commenting on this. The only way you're going to stop this is not a deal because they have broken every trade agreement with us and almost every other agreement as well. The only way you're going to stop it, Lou, is just pile on the costs until the costs we impose on China are greater than the benefits that China gets. And by the way, China is getting somewhere like maybe $600 billion in theft alone. And then on top of that, you add the benefits they get from violating their trade deals with us. So we're, we're talking close to a trillion dollars. I would support just, uh, you know, uh, tariff, putting such heavy tariffs that we'd price them out of the U.S. market entirely. I absolutely agree. I think uh, I think we needed to couple. I think not only force them uh, to pay tariffs, you cut off their access to West to our retirement funds. You actually cut off their ability to invest. 
yeah, if they're to the extent that they're using their students and their researchers to to steal technology, you restrict their access to visas. And really, then once you do that and you start investing our capital into our own country again to build to rebuild our manufacturing base, to rebuild our infrastructure, to begin to spend on research and development again, you're going to see the economy take off like it never has. You know, one of the things that that we're uh, running into is the fact that these these tax cuts. Are, are we're, those are running to the end of their you know, stimulus on the economy. We need to have some investment. And right now, with all the money going to Chinese companies and Chinese investment, particularly in the Belt and Road, from our retirement funds, it's not going to happen. In about 30 seconds, can you tell our listeners that uh, don't know about this, uh, about the rise of these Confucius Institutes on the campuses of our major research universities? Yeah, these, uh, these Confucius Institutes are used to censor speech. So anytime anybody says anything wrong about uh, Tibet or Taiwan, then the students will protest or they'll, they'll um, cause trouble for the teachers or the students that are there. In addition, it allows them to monitor the students, to control what they say, to make sure they don't become too Americanized. We have a half a million Chinese students in our university system now, and so the embassy can call up the university president and say, hey, I'm going to yank all my students, and all of a sudden the university's in the red. It's a huge problem. Well, and that's where a lot of our uh, cutting-edge uh, technology is developed, and they're in a good position to steal it as well. Retired Air Force Absolutely. Brigadier General Robert S. Spalding's new book, Stealth War, How China Took Over While America's Elites Slept. You can pre-order it now on Amazon for an October 1st arrival. And you can follow General Spaulding on Twitter at Robert underscore Spaulding. That's Robert underscore Spaulding. General, thank you so much for being with us. I hope you'll come back and join us again sometime. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. And that's it for this edition of Right Now with Jim Dawes. I hope you'll join us again tomorrow. We'll talk to you then. When the weather outside is frightful, the Hyundai Santa Fe is... What's the word? Delightful. Because it's got available H-Track all-wheel drive to make being out together better. Enter for your chance to win the newly redesigned Santa Fe, packed with all the jingle bells and whistles you need to go dashing through the snow together. To enter, visit Amazon.com slash Hyundai or scan the QR code on specially marked red and green Amazon boxes. No purchase necessary. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwanns.com backslash yum for details.